Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message today, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We'll begin reading with verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. We're beginning a series, a four-part series this morning called Christ Life. Some of you may have seen uh, the back of uh, uh, the windows of cars, a sticker that says Salt Life, Salt Life. Well, this is Christ Life, and uh, we'll be studying Christ Life for four Sundays. Philippians 2, beginning with verse 5. The Apostle Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You don't even have to be a Christian to appreciate the life of Jesus, but certainly those of us who've given our lives to Christ, who know Him as our personal Savior and Lord, If there's one thing that we can agree on amidst all the myriad of things that Christians disagree on these days, certainly we can agree that Jesus Christ is the best life that ever lived. That Jesus Christ is the person whose life is the one life more than any other life that is worth emulating, worth examining, and worth copying. That's what It means to me to talk about the Christ life. The title of this series is The Christ Life, Living Life the Way Christ Meant for Us to Live. And so I want to begin with a question. That question is, what is the Christ life? And here's the way I define it. Living the Christ life means living according to the life and teachings of Jesus. Living according to the life and teachings of Jesus. Of Jesus. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean to go, go give away your shoes and buy sandals the way Jesus walked. It, didn't, it doesn't mean for you to take your, your uh, coats and pants, your dresses and dress suits, and go give them to the Goodwill and go buy shepherd's robes to, so you can walk around everywhere. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is something that we actually, God has given us the, the ability to do, and that is to examine the way Jesus lived his attitudes, his attributes, his characteristics, and then take them and apply them to each of our lives. That is what I mean by the Christ life, living according to the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, somebody might ask, well, why should I live the Christ life? I like the life that I'm living right now, and it's not necessarily like Jesus' life. In fact, there's a lot of things about my life that are not like Jesus' life. Why would I want to live the Christ life? And, and to that question, I would give two answers. One is because it is the life that Jesus lived. And because He is uh, who He is, God in flesh, 
And because he lived a perfect life and because he never made the mistakes that you and I are so prone to make, his life is worth copying. It is the life Jesus lived. Secondly, we need to strive to live the Christ life because the Christ life is the life that is recommended to us by the Scriptures. Jesus told his disciples, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In another place, he says, you be perfect just as I am perfect. And what he meant by that word perfect is complete, whole, without missing or lacking anything in life. You see, Jesus wants us to live a fulfilled life, a contented life. That does not necessarily mean that that he intends for us to be happy every day. I would hope that he would want us to be happy sometimes, but happiness is not as important to the Lord as our holiness is, and he wants us to be holy. But along with being holy, he wants us to have the kind of life that most people would consider to be an abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and that you might have a life that is filled to the full. That's the kind of life Jesus wants us to have. So that is why I believe we should strive to live the Christ life. Well, where do we find out how to live the Christ life? Obviously, the first answer to that is, We want to go to the Bible to find out how to live the Christ life, and that is certainly a good answer, but I think we need to narrow that answer just a little bit, and and, and let me tell you why. First off, you have the Old Testament that predicts and anticipates Jesus. Some of the the prophets in the Old Testament lived somewhere, uh, anywhere from 500 to 700 years before Jesus was even born, and yet, for instance, Isaiah, he made prophecies about the coming Messiah Uh, Some 700 years before Jesus was even born, he predicted the coming of the Messiah. The people in the Old Testament anticipated the coming of the Messiah. When you go over into the latter part of the New Testament, you have the letters of Paul and and, uh, folks like Peter and, and John and some others. For the most part, what Paul does, he doesn't predict the coming of Jesus. He doesn't anticipate Jesus. Rather, he interprets Jesus. He interprets the Jesus that we meet in the earlier books of the Bible. But then you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And while, while the Old Testament anticipates and predicts Jesus, and while Paul looks back and interprets Jesus, the Gospels, they describe Jesus for us. And so what this means is if you really want to know how to live the, the Christ life, if you want to know what the Christ life was, what Jesus really said and what he really did, then the best place to start is in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they describe Jesus' life. Well, what do we find when we go back into uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What do we find when we examine Jesus' life in those books as well as uh, when we look to other books of the Bible? One of the things that we find, I think, is we find the traits of the life that he lived. And so we can answer the question, what, what was Jesus like? What were the traits of his life? But more important than that, I think we can ask this question, what is the foundational trait for the life of Jesus? What is the foundational trait for living the Christ life? And I think what we find is this. You can make an argument for this, that the foundational trait for living the Christ life is this, humility. Humility. Now, there are other traits of Jesus, certainly, and we'll talk about those in the, in the next three weeks. But the foundational trait for Jesus is humility. It laid the foundation for everything that he did. 
And when we look at his humility, there are three things that I want us to notice in the Scriptures. First off, for Jesus, humility meant not latching on to what was rightfully his. Humility meant not latching on to what was rightfully his. I want you to return with me uh, to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the same attitude, the same philosophy, the same way of life as Christ Jesus. Well, what was his life? Who being in very nature God, Jesus is God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's an amazing statement. Uh, You and I as Christians believe that Jesus has always existed. He is eternal because he is God in flesh. We believe that, that if you turn around and you look back to the past, to eternity in the past, a past that is never ending going, past, going backwards, you have one God who's always existed, and that one God reveals himself and has always revealed himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. One God who reveals himself as three persons. Now that's what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. There's no way to explain it. We just have to take it by faith because that's what the Bible teaches us about God. So Jesus has always existed. And that means that before he was ever born in Bethlehem of Judea, he was in heaven with God the Father. And he was in heaven for all eternity in the past before he came to earth. Everything that was in heaven was at his disposal. Everything that was in heaven was was created by him and owned by him. He had access to all of it. And he did not have to leave heaven. It was rightfully his to stay put. And yet, what does Paul say? That Jesus, who was in very nature God, did not consider his godness, his equality with God, as something to be used to his own advantage, as something to be grasped hold of and not turned loose. But instead, he did turn loose of it. He emptied himself. He left heaven. He came to earth, became a man in order to live in front of us, to die on the cross for our sins and to be raised from the dead. Jesus did all of that when he didn't have to. For Jesus, humility meant not latching on to what was rightfully his. Heaven was rightfully his. And yet he turned loose of it to come to us. That's humility. Second, for Jesus, humility meant putting other people before himself. Putting other people before himself. Now let me show you a couple of places in the Gospels where we see this. There are many places we could look at, but let me show you two. First, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus is talking here. He says, for even the Son of Man, talking about himself, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, that's an incredible statement when you think about the fact that Jesus was perfect, that Jesus was God, that we are to serve Jesus, we are to worship Jesus, and yet, what does he say in his own words? The Son of Man did not come to be served. I didn't come to be served, he said, but I came to serve. That's humility. Luke chapter 22, verse 27, he's still talking with the disciples. He says, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table that's greater? But he says, I 
am among you as one who serves. I'm not among you as one who's greater, even though certainly he was greater. He says, rather, I'm not one who is sitting at the table waiting to be served. I'm someone who is, is serving those who are at the table. You see, humility means that we are, uh, we are willing to turn loose of that which might be rightfully ours. That's humility. But humility is also and always putting other people, the needs of other people before ourselves. That is what Jesus did. He didn't come to be ransomed. He came to ransom. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. That is humility. Third, for Jesus, humility means not taking credit for what he could rightfully have taken credit for. Now, I'll tell you, we're, we all are uh, we're human beings. We're imperfect human beings. We're, we're selfish people. We, we tend to want credit for the things that we deserve credit for. But I want to share with you some of Jesus' own statements from the Gospels and just show you how he refused to take credit for what he rightfully could have taken credit for. In fact, he, desi- he deserved the credit, and yet he, he, he deflected the credit away from himself. Let me, let me just share with you a few. First from the Gospel of John. John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus gave, this, gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son, talking about himself, can do nothing by himself. This is Jesus. This is the God-man who's saying this. I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see my Father doing because whatever, he, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus again, quoting, By myself, I can do nothing. This is Jesus. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. John chapter 5, verse 41. I do not accept the glory from human beings. Put another way, I don't let anybody brag about me. I don't let anybody commend me or praise me. I'm here not to do my will, but to do my Father's will. Chapter 6, John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is not my will I'm doing. John chapter 7, verse 16. Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. I I can't take credit for any of it, he's saying. It doesn't originate with me, he's saying. It originates from my Father. This is Jesus. He's deflecting the credit. John chapter 7, verse 28. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I'm not here on my own authority. Now, this is a man who could have rightfully, I'm talking about justifiably said, Look, I'm here on my own authority. I have authority. In fact, in the the last chapter of Matthew, he ends up saying, All authority has been given to me. But for most of his statements, he deflects any attention to his authority. John chapter 8, verse 28. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your Father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. John 14, verse 10, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. 
Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing the work. I'm not, it's not me. It's not my authority. Don't give me the credit. Give it all to God the Father. John 14, 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words, though, that you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Do you get the picture there? Now, I, I could give you hours of quotes from Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of which point to this single a proposition that I'm sharing with you here, and that is that Jesus, though he could have rightfully claimed credit and invited credit for himself, for all the things that he said and did, yet time after time after time he deflected the credit away from himself and back to his heavenly Father. You go study the Gospel of Mark, and time after time after time Jesus is, is performing miracles, and as soon as he performs a miracle or he, he gives some incredible teaching, he'll turn around to his, fathers, to his followers and he'll say, now guys, don't tell anybody what we just did. Don't tell anybody. Scholars call that the messianic secret. It, it, it just exemplifies the humility of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you and I are, if we agree, and I hope we will, to live the Christ life, to seek to live the Christ life, the foundation of it all is humility. And humility means that we are, uh, that we're not willing to just latch on to what could be rightfully ours, but instead we, we, we keep loose hands on it because literally it belongs to God the Father for the glory of God the Father and for service to other people. If we want the Christ life, humility that Christ had will require that we put other people before ourselves. If we want the Christ life, the Christ life will call us to refrain from taking credit for what we could take credit for. Of course, that's not our problem, is it? We tend to want to take credit for what is not rightfully ours. Isn't that really the way it is? But Jesus here, who rightfully could have taken credit, deflected the credit. We're talking about living the Christ life. I heard about a man who received a promotion to the position of vice president in his company. And uh, the promotion went to his head. Man, he went telling everybody about it. I, everywhere he went, I want you to know that I, I've been promoted to vice president. He talked to his family. I've been promoted to vice president. All of his neighbors, vice president. And finally, his wife, who was uh, present every time, almost every time this man was bragging about being vice president, got tired of it. And she, has, she said, listen, Bob, man's name was Bob. She said, listen, Bob, being vice president is not really that big of a deal. These days, everybody's a vice president, she said. Why, they even have a vice president of peas down at the supermarket. And Bob just didn't believe her. He didn't believe her at all. And so he got up and he pulled out his cell phone. He walked into the hallway away from where she was. He was going to call the supermarket and, pr and prove her wrong. Every wonderful husband loves to prove his wife wrong. Isn't that right? And it's a bad deal, brother. It's a bad deal. So he picks up his phone. He calls the supermarket. Somebody answers the phone. He says, can I speak to the vice president of peas, please? Person on the other end of the line said, fresh or frozen? <laughs> Ralph Sockman said, true humility is the intelligent self-respect that keeps us from thinking too highly or too meanly of ourselves, it makes us modest by reminding us how far we have come short of what we can be. Folks, there isn't a person's life that's ever lived that is worth copying more than the life of Jesus Christ. 
And the foundational trait of Jesus' life was humility. He could have acted arrogant, prideful, better than anybody else because he truly was. But instead he didn't. And if he didn't, how can we? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for how good you are to us. I thank you for your humility. You didn't have to leave heaven. Heaven was all yours, but you did. When you came down here, you didn't have to treat other people like they were your equals. They weren't your equals, but you treated them as they were. You didn't have to take the position of supporting and defending and protecting the downtrodden, but you did. And Lord, we come here today because we want the Christ life. We want to live the Christ life. We can't do it on our own. We ask for your spirit to empower us. We ask for your grace to enable us. But Lord, help us to live the Christ life and help us to begin with the simple yet profound trait of humility. That one trait that when we think we've got it, at that very moment we lose it. Because humility doesn't draw attention onto itself. You were humble, Lord. Help us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.